Open your Bible to the book of John, chapter number 8. John chapter 8, let's go down around the lines of verse 39. John chapter 8, verse 39. I'm going to read down through about verse 44. It's a conversation Jesus is having with some Jews. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But you now seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works that your father did. Now keep in mind here, you seek to kill me because I have told you the truth. Uh, you are doing the works of your fa- that your father did. They said unto him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God was your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I want to preach, the title of my message this morning is The Father of Lies. And before I start, just so you'll know, Jeff and I did not talk at all this week about what we were going to preach and teach. So that's just God... At work. Father, we thank you today for truth. We thank you for your blood, for your love, your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And we understand today, God, that your truth is battling a lie as it has from the beginning. But I pray that this day, in the heart of every person, in the mind of every person, that truth would take precedence, that truth would win, that truth would conquer, and the lie would be exposed. And today, God, we might each and every one here leave today walking in your presence, walking in your hand. Anybody not saved, God, you see that heart today, and your love is with them. We pray, God, that that heart might be saved. We pray for those who are uh, going down the wrong path, those that know you, that are Christians, Lord, that are living under a lie of fear. There's so many different faces this lie takes on. But today, God, again, truth will stand out above all the rest. We understand and believe your word. The truth will set us free. I pray for your anointing this morning. God, this word burning in my soul today, I just pray that you would speak it in a way, God, that will touch hearts. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are of your devil. You are of your father, the devil, Jesus said to these guys, because the devil is a liar, has always been a liar from the beginning, and he is the father of all lies. There are no truth. There's no truth in him. God, on the other hand, the Bible says, cannot lie, right? God doesn't just tell the truth. God is truth. He's the embodiment. Jesus was the embodiment of truth. So before I really jump into this deep, full disclosure, okay, right off the bat, um, it's a, there's a very high probability that I might meddle just a little bit this morning uh, in your life. Is that okay if I meddle just a little bit? Uh, if I kind of pastor you somewhat? Uh, if, if I get all up into your business this morning, uh, please know that it's because I love you. And I want to see you blessed. And uh, God got all up in my business uh, first, right? So uh, those of you that are just getting to know me that have been coming uh, recently, uh, you know, you, you're getting to know me and you know that uh, um, I like to joke around a lot. I do. Uh, and always will. Uh, but at the, at the same time, there's a time to be serious. And when I really begin to think about the, uh, the uh, severity of 
what this is all about, what God is all about, and the coming of Jesus, and so on and so forth. Uh, it really makes me want to just stand and let God be a, uh, be a conduit or mouthpiece that God can use. And so as you get to know me, understand that if I uh, you know, kind of shoot straight with you, uh, it's not because I'm mad at you, it's not because I'm condemning you. I never stand behind the finger of condemnation, ever. Uh, but I will stand with my hand outstretched uh, to help you. You'll never see scorn in my eyes, uh, but everything I say will be through tears. I promise you that. I'm always ready to accept uh, you know, the consequences, whatever consequences come from speaking the truth. Uh, but I'm not ever ready to, to face the consequences of speaking that truth without compassion, uh, and without love, and without understanding. And so, I mean, it's not bad. I'm kind of building this up more than it's, uh, it's not as bad as I'm making it sound. But my point is this. Uh, God sometimes, in order to really get us on the right track, has to just kind of make us squirm in our seat a little bit. He has to get on our toes. Is that fair? And every single thing that I will bring up today, because when it comes to the lies of the devil, obviously it all stems from one lie, and that is, go back to the very beginning, that we can be our own God, right? God isn't to be trusted. Did God really say that you will die if you eat of that fruit? Yes, that's what he said. Well, that's not really what the case is. So there's this... One lie that uh, Satan tells, and from that stems many lies, and we, we fall into them as human beings, we fall into those traps. And so my point and hope this morning is to maybe just expose the lie, not to condemn, but to expose, expose a lie that maybe is uh, leading you down uh, the wrong path. So when you really stop and think about uh, the lie, why is it that we as human beings have a tendency, we seem to find it easier to believe the lie than we do to believe the truth? Have you ever noticed that? Why is that? I mean, you hear, you hear some terrible news on, you know, on TV, and we just automatically believe that. We don't think nothing about it. But if somebody says something good, we're like, uh, yeah, that's too good to be true, right? So we just have a nature and tendency to <clears throat> find it easier to believe a lie. And it comes from our sin nature. Our sin nature uh, distorts reality, okay? And it's always fighting against reality. So our flesh wants what it wants, so bad that it's easily deceived. Okay, let me say that again. Our flesh wants what it wants so bad that it is easily deceived. Satan knows what buttons to push, knows what our weaknesses are, and he can deceive us uh, by causing us to follow our flesh. <clears throat> me and Brady was deer hunting uh, yesterday afternoon, and um, you know how it is when you're deer hunting, you're in the woods, everything sounds like a deer, right? <clears throat> I mean, we heard a squirrel, we thought that was a deer, we heard uh, some turkeys coming up behind, about 15 turkeys coming up behind us. We really thought that was a deer. Um, and the one that probably fooled us the most, we're listening, we hear this deer just right over the hill. We're listening, we're watching, and we're ready, only to discover it was a turtle that was down here. This turtle, just every once in a while, he'd walk, and it sounded just like a deer taking a step. He was here, but it sounded like he was like a ventriloquist turtle or something. He was like throwing his sound over the hill, and we were just convinced that that was a, a deer. And so all three of these times, you know, I mean, uh, our minds convinced us we were hearing a deer, but it was really a lie. We really weren't hearing a deer, but we thought that we were until uh, the truth presented itself. When we saw that it was a turtle, we saw the truth, we no longer believed the lie. Until then, we believed the lie. And so we as human beings have a tendency to believe the lie until the truth presents itself to us. Amen. And when the lie is exposed, then we can no longer uh, believe it. All a liar needs, this is all Satan, remember he's the father of lies, so everybody who lies is of the devil according to Jesus. All a liar really needs is somebody to believe him. 
Isn't that true? Think about how much power is in a lie, how much power a liar has over an individual, if and only if he can get that person to believe him. If nobody believes the liar, then the lie loses all its power and it loses all its effect. Is that true? Just need to get somebody to believe the lie. Once that liar is exposed as a liar, then you're going to cautiously question everything they say after that. Isn't that true? You catch somebody in a lie, and then you know, okay, they're capable. I, I can't really trust what they say. And so when we, in our spirit, the closer we get to God and the more we know the truth, and Satan comes along to lie to us, and as long as we don't believe that lie, then he has absolutely no power over us whatsoever. Satan has a lot of power. He has a lot of control in this world, but he literally has no power at all over the child of God. He can't touch us. He can't hurt us. He can't destroy us. All he can do is spew lies and hope and try. I started to say hope and pray. I don't think the devil prays, but to hope and try to get us to believe his lie. Isn't that true? But once we understand what the voice of Satan is and what that lie is, then we have a tendency at that point not to trust what he says after that. We just got to understand what voice is God and what voice is the devil's, right? And there's a way that we learn uh, to do that. And I'll talk about that here in just a second. But um, a liar doesn't require strength. He doesn't require weapons. He doesn't require force or threat in any form or fashion. He just needs somebody to believe him. So who will believe the lie? The person who is not actively seeking the truth, Right? I want you to look at darkness for just a second. Darkness really doesn't exist. You know that? Darkness is really not a thing. Uh, in and of itself, it doesn't exist. Darkness is nothing more than the absence of light. Okay? When you're looking at the darkness, you're not looking at what's there. You're looking at what's missing. So if light is missing, you're left with darkness. Okay? And the same is true about a lie. A lie doesn't really exist. It's, it's not true. So it's not real. It's, it's a fiction of our imagination. It's a delusion. So a lie is, is not real and doesn't exist in and of itself. A lie is nothing more than the absence of truth. Take away the truth, you're left with a lie, right? It's important for us to understand that. If we are actively seeking the truth, then there's no way we can be deceived by a lie. You with me? If we're not seeking truth, we have an absence of truth. We are left wide open to the power of Satan's lie. we got to be actively seeking the truth. God said, if you'll seek me, Jesus said, if you'll seek me, you will find me. And Jesus claimed himself to be the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you seek me, if you seek truth, you will find it and you will not be deceived. Amen? Kelsey had a, she was doing her homework yesterday for college. Uh, let's get the whole family involved here in this sermon today. But Kelsey's doing her homework, and uh, she asked me a question. It was a, it was physics, and she said if uh, the question in the book was uh, if uh, you got a, a refrigerator door coated in plastic or rubber or whatever they put on the plastic, um, how do you how could you know whether or not that refrigerator door is made out of aluminum or metal? It's covered in plastic. You can't see the material the door is made of. So how do you know if it's aluminum or metal? Anybody want to take a stab at what would be a good way to tell? Put a magnet on it. That's right. If you put a magnet on it and it falls to the ground, it's aluminum because a magnet will not stick. A magnet is not drawn to aluminum. But if it's metal, it'll stick because a magnet is drawn 
to metal. I mean, a magnet is drawn to metal. So, the truth, the same is truth up true about a lie and the truth. Our spirit is always going to be drawn to the truth. Okay, that's what we are. That's ultimately what we're drawn to in our spirit that God gave us. The spirit desires truth, and so it's drawn to the truth. The word of God operates as that magnet, right? It's the word. How, how do you know if it's aluminum or metal? You put a magnet to it. How do we know if it's the truth or a lie? You put the word to it. Amen? And if the word is drawn to it, if our spirit is drawn to it, and it agrees with our spirit to be the truth, then we can, we can be assured that it's the truth. But if it's our flesh, just as our spirit is always drawn to the truth, our flesh is always drawn to the lie. Because the flesh wants what it wants, and it's easily deceived, right? What are we drawn to? Whether or not we're believing a lie or pursuing a lie or the truth, all can determine, be determined by a good, honest evaluation of ourselves and a good, honest answer to the one question, am I generally led by my flesh or am I generally led by the Spirit? That answers the question completely. Amen? How do I know the difference between the Spirit and the flesh? Through the Word. Amen? Think about this for just a second. This is... This is powerful. I've never really thought about it like this before. Brady helped me with this one too. He's a history buff. I want you to think about the, how, how lies, the lies of men, have caused major catastrophe in the human race down, down throughout history. I mean, starting in the garden. I mentioned that a minute ago, obviously. Satan lied to Eve. She believed it. Now we're all in a mess, right? So it, literally, a lie changed the course of humankind. We did not believe the truth that God gave us. We rather believe the lie that the devil gave us, right? And so therefore the entire world sins and is on a fast train to death and hell because of one lie that the devil told, okay? And then it, those lies just continue on from there. You know that World War II was pretty much started by a lie? Hitler staged a fake Polish invasion over German radio. Went over the German radio and said the Polish... He, Hitler was trying everything he could to get the Germans, to get his country on board with his agenda. To take over the world and destroy the Jews and so on and so forth. He's trying to get everybody on board and the only way he could really get them on board with him was to convince them that the, he, was wanting the, the, he was wanting to attack Poland. And everybody was like, eh, I don't know. And, and so what he did was convince the Germans that the Polans had, Polish had attacked them. And so everybody said, oh, well, if they're going to attack us, then it's on. And so they took off and attacked Poland. What did, what did Hitler need? All he needed was somebody to believe his lie. And because he believed the lie, <clears throat> and people re- recruited and got behind him, World War II was one of the most costly, bloody wars, if not the most costly and bloody wars, of all wars. Can you imagine that World War II would have never taken place had it not been for that one lie? How much power is in a lie? A lot. Yet, like Jeff said in Sunday school this morning, it seems to be the, the quick jerk knee reflex. It's the, it seems to be the first thing that we go to is a lie. You do not have to teach... A child to lie. 
We have to go against the grain. We have to teach them to tell the truth. They will automatically tell a lie. Why is that? Sin nature, right? It's the sin that's in us. The father of lies gets to us quick. We just start believing that lie and start following suit. It's that lie that war is more powerful or more valuable than human life. There are, there's a, one of the ma- most major catastrophes in the human race, especially within the past, you know, within our, our lifetimes, um, is the lie that uh, a fetus is just uh, tissue. It's just tissue. It's not, it's not really a human yet. It's just tissue. So if you destroy that fetus, then, you know, it's no big deal. It's just a surgical procedure and no harm done. But that's a lie. And, and I'll say this right off the bat, that um, I, I know some very, very precious ladies who, who have had abortions and uh, God has forgive and God, there's forgiveness there is healing there is restoration uh, people like to get up and just rail on it and rail on it but you have to understand that some of these ladies are in a very very difficult it's not that it justifies but I want to understand that person that woman is still very much loved by God and so I say, I say that off the bat that it's, this is not at all uh, to point fingers at anybody who has been down that road like I said I've known some um, Precious people, it, it's a matter of um, it's not it's not coming from a voice of condemnation, but it's rather coming from the voice of reason uh, to keep other people from making those same bad decisions. You understand? I mean, if I as a pastor, if I stand, if I if I think, okay, well, I, I'm, I can't preach about that because I know so and so has done that, or so so and so. If I don't preach about stuff because I know that somebody might be going through it, then I, I'm not going to be able to preach at all. I mean, because I'm I'm telling you right now, every sin known to man has all taken place right here. Pick any sin. I, probably, most likely, some of y'all have committed it, and probably I've committed more of them than you have. Right? Never had an abortion, but all these, all these other sins that we're talking about, I think I invented them. I've been there. So I'm coming from, uh, you know, from a platform of experience here. So my point, again, when I, when I preach about something and it's something that you've done or are doing, it's, I'm not pointing a finger, I'm not slamming. Um, it's, it's a matter of helping other people not to fall in the trap because I'll tell you this, any, any woman who has had an abortion that uh, you know, has been saved and God has restored her, they'll be the first one to tell you that, that's not, that it's not good and, the, and they'll try to encourage other ladies not to do it. So all that being said, it's a lie. Millions and millions of babies are being killed by the truck. I mean, just every year because of this lie that it's just a ball of flesh. It's a ball of tissue. It's not really life. But folks, that's not true. God said, Jeremiah said, or God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I believe with all of my heart that at conception, I mean, the very second that that, Merging takes place. And that egg is fertilized. That conception takes place. I believe the soul is created. And I believe that it's precious in the sight of God. Our society, it doesn't matter how many scientists and how many PhDs they've got that like to say otherwise, it's a lie. What did, oh wait, what, what did Gracie say? The only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. Everything else is a lie. Amen? I love that. Um... Some of the most common lies I think that people have a tendency to believe and struggle with, um, one being fear. Zach Williams has a great song. I know probably most of you have heard that song. I love it. Uh, it's called Fear is a Liar. If you've never heard that song, YouTube it after church today. Not now. 
Not now. I see some headphones going in. After, after church. Uh, YouTube, it's a phenomenal song. Fear is a liar. I mean, what it ends up doing, it, it cripples a child of God and renders us ineffective. Uh, but fear is a lie. Anything, anything that causes us to fear is not true. And here's why I can tell you that, because the Bible says that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. What does that tell me? A, fear is a spirit, right? Not just an emotion or a thought, literally a spirit. And if God didn't give it to us, where do you suppose it came from? The father of lies, possibly, right? Fear it is, a, it is a liar. God didn't give us that. And so that that causes fear cripples us, renders us ineffective, and it's all designed by the father of lies to render us ineffective and keep us out of his hair, so to speak. Fear robs us of any joy and any peace uh, that God ultimately has promised to the child of God. You're facing fear. When we believe in the truth of God's love, we'll stop believing in the lie of the devil's fear. Amen? Here's... Here's how I think that we have to start combating these lies. It's just simply uh, meeting them head on. Do you know that you, if you're, if you're saved this morning, and you are covered with the blood of Christ, your sins are covered, you believe, you put your trust in Jesus Christ, do you know that you can rebuke the devil? Okay? You don't, you don't have to, you know, it don't have to be a big production. You don't, you don't need 14 holy men. You as a child of God, when Satan speaks a lie in your ear and in your spirit, you can say, and I encourage you to say, Satan, that is a lie. Get behind me in Jesus' name. Call him a liar. Call him a liar. Out loud. Probably when other people aren't around because you don't want them to think you're calling them a liar. Most people don't take too kindly to that and the devil won't either. But he is a liar. And when we begin to speak that, I'm not a name it, claim it type guy, but still, I know in my own life that when I'm, I'm, fear, I'm worried, I'm stressed, I'm fearful, and it's, it's, it's consuming every thought, and I've got you know, knots in my stomach, and I realize all of a sudden what's going on. Well, God, God prom- Jesus promised if I come to him, he'd give me rest. So if I'm in turmoil, I'm not operating in the spirit by any means, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I realize what's going on here. Satan, you are a liar. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get behind me. It becomes exposed. And then you know what happens? The peace comes flooding in and the fear subsides. Man, truth comes and therefore the lie is exposed. Um, there's not, one of, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all of these, but I, I, these are the ones that come to mind as I was studying. And so, no doubt for somebody. Um, one lie is money's the answer. And I'm going to encourage you this morning that if money is your problem, money is not the answer. If money is what you need, money is not what you need, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. If you feel like, if I can just get enough money, if I can just do this, then it'll be all right. And God says, no, 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 no. First of all, a lot of people in that particular situation are robbing God uh, by not giving Him you know, what He asked for. But that's a whole other message in itself. But if money is the problem, money is not the answer. All right, that's a lie, if I can just get more money. You know that money in itself is good. Okay? A lot of people go around saying money is, the, money is the root of all evil. That's not true. Money is not the root of all evil. Money is good. I wish I had a truckload of it. Not that I'm condoning his actions, but I wish Jeff would have, would have struck rich. I wish he would have hit that jackpot, right? Uh, long story, I had to be here for Sunday school. Uh, the point is, money is good. It's the love of money 
that is the root of all evil. All evil. Pick any sin, pick any crime. You're going to trace it back to the overwhelming consume, the love of money, because somebody's believing a lie that if they have a lot of money, they're going to, have, they're going to be happy. It's not true. It's a lie. Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Riches and wealth come from being content with that that God has provided. Spiritually, first of all, and then physically. Um, turn with me into Proverbs. I'm going to read to you a, from the, these next couple ones. I just want to read you some scriptures. I'm not going to elaborate for a long time. But I want to read it to you because I don't want you to think I'm just, you know, uh, coming up with my own opinions and thoughts here. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23. <clears throat> Down along the lines of uh, verse 29. And uh, the lie here that, that robs a lot of people in their life is that um, alcohol and, and drugs and things of that nature uh, can help you cope with life. Okay? Now, if I begin to read this, everybody listen to me now. Hear, hear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about drinking a beer. I'm not talking about having a glass of wine. I'm not talking about that. It's a whole other issue. We're not going to get in the weeds. I'm talking about feeling the need for it to cope with life. Is everybody on board with me, what I'm saying here this morning? I, my life is falling apart. Things are going horrible. I'm stressed to the max. And the devil comes along and says, here's what will help you. Okay? And it does at first, and then it don't. Okay? And here's why the scripture talks about this. This is why I feel like it's important to bring this up this morning. Um, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. Uh, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? First of all, all of those things are bad. Would everybody agree? Who is it that has all these things? Who is it that has uh, wounds without cause? In other words, bad, wounds in life that you have for really no reason. Why is it? Who is it that has these? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. Look here. There, here's the big key. In the end... It bites like a serpent, and it stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart utter perverse things. You'll say some stupid things when you're around people. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? And then here's the big kicker. I must have another drink. That's the danger. I need it. To cope with life. Can you understand this morning? Again, I'm not pointing any fingers. It's nothing I haven't done before. But many a life been destroyed by believing this particular lie. There is a fountain, folks, that flows. That comes from the throne of God. That fountain that is the Spirit of God. That can ease, that can comfort, that can enable us to cope with life in which we never, ever have to turn to something of this nature, some, some man-made formula in order to help us cope with the stresses of life. Don't believe the lie. In the end, it will bite you like a snake. Think about that for a second. Oh, there's nothing wrong with this snake. Look, I'm going to make him a pet. And we pet it and we go, and what is that snake ultimately going to do? Oh, I can control it. I can't control a rattlesnake, I guarantee you. And, but anyway, again, my point, I'm not picking a fight with alcohol altogether. I'm just saying that when you get on a low point in your life and you feel like the devil comes and says you need this to cope, 
It is not, that is not true. That is a lie. And it will cause you more problems than it will ever help you and do you good. Uh, another lie is uh, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch. I can look at a beautiful woman, check her out, or I can, you can look at a guy, mm, he's fine. It's natural, isn't it? Men are attracted to women. Women are attracted to men. And so we naturally should be. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's another lie, but I won't get into that today. Um, but, but we do have the, with this mentality, what's that, you know, I'm, I'm married, it's okay. To, you know, just because I go into a restaurant, I can look at the menu, but it don't mean I have to order anything. You ever heard that one? Which means I can look and I can check her out. Doesn't mean I have to, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to check her out. Jesus come in and absolutely blew that whole thing out of the water. Jesus said, for those of you that think that you can look as long as you don't touch, you've believed that lie. Because see, what happens is one look always leads to another look. And then a look always leads to a thought. Okay, And then a thought always leads to longer thoughts. And those longer thoughts lead to actions. promise you that. And so Jesus comes along and blows that out of the water and says, no, you really can't do that because here's how God looks at it. If you look at somebody with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery with them in your heart. It's the same as the sin. Look, and Jesus takes it a step further and says, if your eyes offend you, if you can't control your eyes, pluck them out, right? That's what he said. I'm just saying, you know, pluck them out. It's better to go through life blind with no eyeballs than to let them cause you to sin. Obviously, we know he's not talking about literally taking a fork and plucking your eyeballs out, but what he's saying is this. Everything in your life that could ultimately take your vision off of God and onto something lustful, get rid of that thing in your life. You know, we are living in a a sex-saturated world, especially within this country. Pornography is... is, it's, It's just rampant. Hundreds, hundreds and thousands... Uh, of pornography, pornographic sites on the internet, it's easier now to, to view pornography than it's ever been before. You can do it under the radar easier today than anybody's ever been able to do it before because we can hold it in our hand. And the lie comes along, the devil comes along, it's there, it's available, and the lie comes and says, ain't nothing wrong with it because you're not actually doing anything, Right? This, is a, this has destroyed people, and not just men. Pornography is something used to be kind of a, a man thing, but it's, it's not anymore. I mean, women, a lot of women battle and face pornography. I get it. We're attracted to women. I get it. You're attracted to men. And the temptation is there, but the thing about it is that one look, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, the, the, sorry, it's like a viper. It's, it's a claw that grabs a hold and it becomes this chain. My encouragement to you young people especially don't, don't go there. Just don't go there. I understand you're, you're, you're curious and, and you, you, you want to see things and you're experiencing things you've never experienced before, but I'm, I'm telling you, just wait for the real thing. Just wait for that woman. Wait for that man that you will spend the rest of your life with. Let that be the first person you really see, that first person you're really with, and you will never regret that. Anything else is a lie. Guard those eyes. What was it? Who was it? I think Job maybe said, I have made a covenant with my eyes 
I've made a deal with my eyes that I will not look lustfully at a, at a girl. Right? Just made up my mind. Made a deal with my eyes as soon as you bounce. Bounce. Everybody say it. Bounce. We were talking about magnets a minute ago. And, you know, you know what magnets do when, met, when they're by metal? Right? But what happens if you turn the magnet around? Right? I mean, what I'm saying here is this. Whatever you're, the way we're looking in the flesh that draws us to the flesh, we have to look at it from a completely different way, from a spiritual aspect. And when we do that, we get into a point where, it's, and it's more than just mind over matter, but in a way it's a matter of training ourselves, understanding that I'm, I'm going to bounce my eyes. Normal, obviously, to see something, and, but bounce the eye. What God sees in me is more important than what I see, right? And, and who I am when I'm all by myself is really who I am. I can put on a front. Anybody can put on a front when they're around everybody else. I can say, boy, she ought to go put some clothes on. And you think, oh, what a holy man he is. He don't even lust after beautiful women. But what I do in private, that's who I really am. Amen? It's a lie. Don't get caught up in the trap. It's adultery. Same as having an affair. It's everywhere. It's worse, in our, worse now than it's ever been. And it's something that needs to be exposed for what it is. Amen? It's not harmless. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, soft porn, hard porn alike. It's all, there's no such thing as soft porn. Soft porn just it whets your appetite for the hard stuff. Right? It's true. Um, in Proverbs, if you're still there, turn back into chapter number 5. Uh, it's actually chapter 5, 6, and 7. I'm not going to read all of this, obviously, but I would encourage you sometime this week, uh, read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Very short chapter. It won't take you more than 15 minutes. Not even that, probably. 10, 15 minutes, excuse me, to read. But uh, Solomon... Um, is, um, you know, speaking, he's talking about, he's giving some wisdom here. That's what Proverbs pretty much is, the book of wisdom. And if we adhere to it, it gives us blessing, right? If we don't, it brings us curse. So here's the thing. Here's what he says. My son, verse 1, be attentive to my wisdom, inclining your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and that your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Okay, what is a forbidden woman? That's the... That's the uh, Playboy magazine, okay? Or that's the website, um, the forbidden woman, that that you're not supposed to be with or that that you're not supposed to see, that, uh, that neighbor uh, that's been flirting with you or that person at work, the forbidden woman, okay? Or forbidden man, whichever be the case. Her speech is smoother than oil. Uh, her, her, her forbidden woman, her, her lips drip honey. In other words, it seems so good and it seems so sweet and it seems so right uh, and her speech is smoother than oil, draws us in. But in the end, which is really what matters, in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, and her feet go down to what? It goes down to death. You go on down, oh, into chapter 6, I believe it is. Um, oh, uh, verse 25. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Okay? You know what I mean? Literally. You know, you've all seen Bugs Bunny, the, the, the girl bats her eyes, and then the boy goes, you know. It's literally what's saying. Don't let her bat her eyelashes at you and seduce you and convince you uh, to follow. 
For the price of a, a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? That's a good question. Can you, would it be possible for you to take a log that's on fire, hold it up close to you and walk across the yard without your clothes catching on fire? That's impossible. If you carry fire, you're going to catch on fire. If you, he's saying here, pursue that that is forbidden, lustful desires, you can't do that without it burning you. You can't handle it. Oh, I I can handle it. No, you can't. You can't handle it. You're weak. And so am I. We're all weak. It will eventually burn you. Can't carry it. Going on into chapter 7, he gives an instance here. Said I, verse 6, For at the window of my house, I've got to hurry. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice. I have seen, uh, I have seen among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Okay? So the, the, the proverb writer is saying, I look at my house, my window one day, and I see this dumb young man. Okay? And I got to watching this dumb young man and see what he would do. And as he passes along the street uh, near her corner, taking the road to her house. I missed the spot, didn't I? No. Uh, in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night, in darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wildly of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lays in wait. Dressed very provocative. That's something that's obviously you know, rampant in this society as well. Uh, she is loud and, well, let's see, blah, 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 blah. Wait. She, verse 13, she seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I paid my vows. And now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come and let us take our fill of love till morning. She's not talking about checkers, I promise you. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. In other words, nobody's going to ever find out. How, many, how, how often do you think you're ever going to be able to pull off some sort of sin, any kind of sin, without it coming out, without somebody finding out? Never. The Bible is very clear. Be sure your sins will find you out. There is no such thing as a hidden sin. It's going to, it's going to wiggle out of there eventually. So, um, where did I leave off? Does anybody remember? Long journey took a bag. He took a bag of money with him at full moon. Uh, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to slaughter. Think about that. Take an ox or a cow and you give them a big bucket of grain and they think, ooh, grain, yummy. And they eat it and they're walking along having no idea. In just a few hours, they're going to be hanging from a rack with no fur, right? They're going to be slaughtered. They don't know it. That's the way he said, this, this young man was just like a dumb, he's going to, to sin, he's, head, he's falling into a trap, he's believing a lie, and he don't even realize it. Or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, and as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. I'll read that part again. He does not know that it will cost him his life. A lie, the lie will always take away from us. It will always cost us more 
than any of the pleasure we got out of it. Can I just promise you that as a person who has been there and done that? Any pleasure you get out of sin and you'll get some. Let's be honest. There's pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible says. It's fun while you're doing it. But the pleasure I ever got in sin, were, it was never worth the consequences. Ever. Anybody else testify to that this morning? He doesn't know that it will cost him his life. All right, let me wrap this up. I got to wrap this up. You know, these things, in and of themselves, you know, they don't seem like a big deal. Little deals turn into big deals. We all know that, right? Um, This is not just about... This is not about breaking religious rules. Okay, I want to make that very clear. It's not about breaking religious rules. Don't, Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. This is about avoiding bigger problems for yourself. That, that's, that's the heart that I bring this to you from. Not, oh, you can't and can't and can't and shame, shame, shame on you. It's about, please, just don't do this to yourself, right? Avoid, if you can avoid bigger problems and headaches down the road, why wouldn't you want to do that? Okay? Uh, small flames turn into big flames. A little bitty match can start into forest fire. Small comments can turn into a brawl. Small flirting can turn into adultery. A small lie can turn into a web of deceit. A little white lie will eventually turn into a big black lie. A little fib will turn into a big alien from outer space. Okay, You have to know veggie tales to get that one. But uh, I, I, Let me tell you this really quick story. I promise I am wrapping this up. Um... One time, I had, this, I had this pond built. Richard actually built this pond for me. And it's been a many, many, many years ago. And as it got filled up, and we used it, we stocked it with, with fish and the whole bit so that my family could enjoy it. And one day, I get out there and look at looking around, and along the outskirts of the pond, there was these lily pads growing up. Little bitty lily pads. And I didn't think nothing about it. I said, oh, that's, well, that's weird. So I just let it go. And I noticed they were getting bigger, and I noticed they were growing. So I'd go down through there. You know, we keep our pond bank mode. And I weed-eated the, the lily pads down. Um, okay, I took care of that. Uh, how many of you know when you cut off a weed at the top, it still grows back? Why? Because of the root that's underneath it, right? But I still didn't think much about it until one day I went to the golf course out here and played golf. And one of the, one of the I think it's hole number one maybe, but one of them, you have to hit it over a pond. Or in my case, you have to hit it into the pond and then throw a ball on the other side. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this pond, I looked at it, had these huge lily pads. I mean, they stood up, they literally had taken over the pond. You barely could even see the water because these lily pads were everywhere. And, and I'll never forget it. It's not, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but and, and instantly in that moment I thought, oh man, if I don't take care of my lily pads now, well, there's, my pond's going to look like that. And so there, now there was a sense of urgency to me. Before it was no big deal, but now it's a sense of urgency because I realized I don't want my pond to be overcome. I, hope, I think you see where I'm going with this, that, that, that different sins, you know, things that creep up in our life and they seem small, they seem insignificant. Some of these things I've talked about today, uh, but, but they begin to grow and they begin to take root. And then at some point as they get bigger and we realize that they're kind of getting a hold, then, the, then comes this sense of desperation in which we think, oh man, this is going to take me over. I've got to do something about this. I went home, I kid you not. I went home and I grabbed, I got one of those hoes that's got the little three fork prong things on it, you know. I grabbed one of them and I went to hacking. I mean, I went all the way around the pond bank and what I found was this. For every lily pad that came up that high, there was like a bush underneath the ground. 
these roots that they were all connected. Every one of them connected. I'd pull up this one and ten of them would come up. And, and I went through there and I'm pulling all of these things out, these roots. And when I got them all out by the root, the lily pads never came back. That's been, that's probably been 15 years ago or so. Had to get it while it was little. Little was going to eventually become big. Okay, and it didn't come without a fight. I had a horse fly that was the size of a crow. I swear. Huge horse fly. And it was like, it was like dive bombing me. It was like, I mean, it was coming in and it was biting me. And I was like, ah. And, I, and so I'm trying to get these weeds on this horse fly. And that's obviously, you know, the devil's lies. He, the devil comes along and says, this is, you're, you're, you're worrying about this too much. This is, this is not that big a deal. You, you're overthinking it. Don't, don't worry about it. And he's trying to get you to stop hoeing up the sins and start, stop getting you to hope the roots. And this thing was just going crazy over me. And, and I'd run over a time or two. And finally I got sick of it. Took my hat off, right? And he'd come by. Whoosh, smacked him off into the eternity. Right? I mean, got rid of him. Went back to work. And his big brother came by. It's like he was mad because I'd killed his brother. Same thing. But the, the bottom line was, once I killed those those horse flies, I just didn't let them stop me from what I was doing. And so we should never let Satan stop us from where we're going. What we're doing, we're pursuing God here. You're all pursuing God, or you wouldn't be in this room. You love the Lord and you want God's will for your life, or you would not be here today. So what I'm saying is, don't let the lies of the enemy stop you from digging out your lily pads. You get my point. Don't let it stop you from, from letting the truth grow up within you and keep your pond pure and keep your life clean. i got to quit. I'm out of time. But Jesus said this, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness of the truth. It's a whole reason that Jesus came into the world. Everyone, he said, who is of the truth listens to my voice. What did I say that we're going to believe the lie until what? Until the truth presents itself. So I believe that the truth, Jesus is presenting himself today. So that you don't have to believe the lie. Right? Talk a lot about stretching the truth, but you can't stretch steel. The truth is steel. It can't be stretched. It is what it is. Jesus said, I present myself before you today. I present truth. What will you do with that? Will you trade your truth for a lie? I want to end with this one. I'm going to ask you to stand just to prove that I am closing. But, but this is important. This is very important. In fact, I, I, I cannot get away from this, and I don't know why. Um, as I studied this, I kind of pushed this thought aside a time or two, um, but it kept coming back, and even today I'm sitting there, it's, it's noon. Uh, but I, I, want to, I want to say this this morning because I really feel impressed. I feel like it's important. There is a lie that Satan likes to to force upon people that says life is not worth living. That, that you don't hold any value. You know, that you're worthless. Life is hard and it would just be better if you were dead. That is a lie that Satan... He don't just tell sinners that, folks. That's a lie that he tells Christian people as well. I want you to understand, understand that suicide is a something that we see within our our world increasingly and the more that sin increases the more suicide increases but it's it comes from a lie that says the pain of dying won't be as bad as the pain of living but that's a lie 
See, here's the thing. The Bible says that you're not worthless. You're very valuable. In fact, the Bible says that you were made in the image and the likeness of God. The Bible says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You hold great value in the eyes of God. The lie comes along and says, you know, there is no God, or I'm a good person, or the, you know, God doesn't care about me. Maybe some person has always told you, told you that, that you're worthless, and that lie has kind of creeped down into your spirit, and you just can't quite seem to get, get past it. And you're not worthless. Don't ever even let the devil get you on that path. Like I said, I don't know why I got I laid that on my heart. I just know that I don't want to take any chances. I want to... This morning, lay everything on the table and let every person know in this room that there is hope. You don't have to believe the lie. Life is good. You know why I can say that? Because Jesus is life. I am the way, the truth, and the... I'm... Jesus is life. And Jesus is good. Therefore, life is good. Amen? Don't believe the lie. God's got great things in store for us. He said, I came that you might have joy, you might have life, and have it more abundantly that your life might be good. Don't give up on it. Don't give up on God. Don't believe the lie. Would you bow with me this morning? Father, we come to you today.